It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Okay, Express Bet First Bet wants you to get in on all the horse racing action. Sign up today with the promo code Vegas1000 and receive $10 instantly and up to a $1,000 bonus. Visit vcin.com slash horses. That's vcin.com slash horses. And when you do, use the code Vegas1000. Okay, another hour to go here as we set you up for the final four. Tate Frazier's what are you doing today, doing? Patrick? Yes. What are you doing today? Are we doing, uh, where are you watching the games? With G's at home? What are you going to do? <laughs> Might have a friend over and watch with Jeezy. At, you know, Jeezy's got a bad attitude. I've been trying to take her for walks lately, and it's a little too hot out here. And she's got. Is uh, it really? It's, well, I mean, hot now is 78 here, but um, she's a diva. And she's been yeah. literally just sitting down in the middle of the street and won't let me take her. And so that always, I don't know if you get stressed with dogs. If you don't exercise them, it kind of throws off the rest of the day. They always seem eager. So I'm a little, over, mm-hmm. I get overwhelmed by that. Other than that, might have a friend over, might watch it. Maybe have a cocktail. I don't know. There you go. Maybe, Love it. Yeah, what about you? you? Uh, you know, it's steak night tonight. Going to make some steak, watch the games, enjoy it. You know, have Bur- Bill Berman over and see, get the gospel night. according to him. Yeah. Steak night's a good night, so, man. 
Yeah, it's a great night. Uh, a great how do we night. cook so it? We'll, now, there's we'll a question: it. Is how do we cook it? We go medium. Well, the rare? outdoor kitchen's not uh, the outdoor co- kitchen's not open yet it's because of the weather. We still we're still going through that, but we will we will cook it. We'll we'll sear it outside on on another grill that I have, and then we'll put it in the oven and and do it. So I, I watch a lot of videos on how to cook steak. So I've been trying to brush up for the summer season to kind of take my game to another level. I'm a little bit like a player. You know, I got to take it better. And you know, <laughs> and how's the squad? We've got. Half we got part of the family here in Vegas. We got part of the family yeah. down in Carolina, all getting and we got ready. Part of the family all, in Jersey, all, get, all getting ready for the draft, right? All get ready for the draft. We're excited for it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a great, great opportunity. The, the Raiders don't have a first or a second. They have a Devontae Adams, which is pretty good. And then, of course, Carolina's got a lot of decisions ahead, which I think ultimately comes down to: Do they? You know, there's two boards in an NFL draft. There's the horizontal board, which never gets talked about, which is comparing player A to player B at different positions, right? So, you know, do you take? And this is where Ron Wolf, the story I told yesterday about his decision to draft Leroy Selman, was so impactful. Because Wolf was sitting there at the first pick of the draft of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, first pick ever, and there was no quarterback in the draft. Richard Todd was by then the best quarterback, but they were running the wishbone at Alabama at that time, so you couldn't really see him play quarterback. So Wolf had a decision. You know, does he take the quarterback, which is a position of need for an expansion team, or does he take the best player, which is Leroy Selman? He went with this horizontal board, which is the the horizontal view, as opposed to the vertical view, which is stacked at positions, and he made the right choice. And I think that's something that we don't talk enough about in draft preparation because no one really who's talking about the draft has ever been part of a vertical and horizontal board. I can't wait for the draft, but, but Mick will have a front row seat, by the way, because it's going to be right over here with gondolas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, like, I'll tell you what, what happens when you trade away your first and your second, you have got to do a really good job, a really good job of finding talent in those later rounds and in free agency. You know, you've got to do a really good job of hitting on a Malcolm Butler after the draft, you know, and it doesn't have to be a pro Bowl player. It has to be a guy who can contribute a, a player like, you know, like JC Jackson that the Patriots hit on not drafted, played at Iowa, thought, thought he had no speed, got four years out of him at a reduced number. You've really got to spend a lot of time. So it's actually people think, well, you don't have a first or a second. It's going to be an easy draft for you. No, it becomes a much, much harder draft. I'll tell you, the buzz is real here in Vegas for pro sports. Should be. Got the draft. The Raiders really were embraced last year after the pandemic-ridden year, the year before, Michael. The NBA's coming. Major League Baseball's coming. Major is League the Soccer. NBA coming, huh? The NBA How, is coming. Are they going to condense a team, or are they going to expect? There's not enough good players in the NBA to have a team. I think they to have a, add an extra team. I think they could expand. Look, Seattle's up first for the NBA, of course, which they deserve a team. Um, but right. Silver's already said he's come. He is coming to Vegas. He has been very progressive when it comes to wagering. Adam Silver said he wants everybody in the stands at his arenas in-game betting. He wants them between plays. He wants them during timeouts. So he's been very progressive. And Major League Baseball is coming. I can tell you right now, MLS, Major League Soccer, is going to be here within a few years. So yeah. Vegas is blowing up. Please. If they go, if baseball comes in, they've got to have an indoor facility. Yeah, they got to have roof. You can't play baseball. Whether it's attractable or not, they got to have roof. You know, it's fascinating just thinking about, we were talking about New Orleans and how special, you know, San Francisco and Seattle is so different as far as culture. 
you know, if you think about Vegas, I mean, if you look at a map in the 50s and 60s, it was empty. And now all of a sudden, yeah. I mean, it is just it, the over the past 10, 15 years, it has turned into a different city. It's incredible. No doubt. I mean, look, I was there in 81. I pulled my Toyota truck into that town. And, and when I got to the edge of Tropicana and Decatur, where my apartment was, there was nothing there. It was completely isolated. There was not. And then when I go back now, I'm just amazed at, you know, at how the city has grown. And, uh, you know, it's the strip's a completely different strip than it was when I was there, but it is. You can see it's become a mecca of, of people moving, partly because of the no taxes and the weather and, you know, the lifestyle you can live. I, th I always thought of you as a truck guy. Did you have your, like, cowboy hat on as you pulled into town? No, I just needed a truck to get all my stuff out there. I used to, you had this little Toyota car that I had in college, and then I, I, tr I upgraded to get so I could get my stuff and start my journey going out there. You know, I, I've always, I wanted to go to Florida State, but I couldn't get a job down there. So I had to go to, I went to UNLV. Oh, worked out well. Come full circle with the family out here now. So. Tate Frazier will help us out with this matchup, yeah. but one of the biggest rivalries in sports, it's another level. We've never met here in the tournament, that being North Carolina and Duke. Blue Bloods, they've met 256 times. North Carolina holds the edge, 142-115, Michael. This is, but this is a Duke team that we've kind of watched grow up, right? And they've scored yeah. in the four tournament wins, they've scored at least 78 points. That comeback against Michigan State, last five minutes, Texas Tech against the best defense in the country. Um, you know, Arkansas over the last 12 minutes, they dominated when Arkansas kind of inched closer. This is an offense that's off the charts right now in Duke. Uh, their players are off the charts. I mean, I mean, let's be real honest here. I mean, they, they've got so many good players on that team with, from Paulo to, you know, to, to everybody. I mean, they're just dominating in what they're able to do. Uh, and everyone's going to be a first-round pick when you look at it. I mean, whether it's Keels, Roach, you know, Williams, who's placed and say, I mean, they're just – playing their best basketball at the, at the most correct time. Wendell Moore comes off the bench for him. So, you know, and, and look, let's face it, you know, when, when, Love, when Love was playing, when Love was playing really good there for Duke, I mean, for North Carolina, that gave them a, a lot of trouble. You know, that gave Roach, that game was really a good game between Roach. And look, Manic has played well to give him a big guy inside. And, and I just think, to me, the game that they played in Cameron is going to be a completely different game because this team is playing much looser than they were. But North Carolina, the way they handled Baylor until the end was pretty, pretty impressive. Well, let's discuss the two games. They split the season series, one, one on each of the others would. But think about this. Remember that Carl just said as soon as he posted the total, it got hit up for good reason, yep. Michael. The first one at North Carolina, a total of 154. And then the last one, Cameron Indoor, 175 points scored between the two of them. So that total sitting 152. No surprise that betters want to go over. Remember, North Carolina was an 11-point dog at Cameron Indoor and beat them 94 to 81. I mean, it was yeah. so. This is these have been high-scoring games. No surprise to see again the total hit to the over. What I don't think people realize is Duke's tempo in, in the in the conference in the ACC was ranked 10th. North Carolina was the sec North Carolina wants to play the tempo. That's why when they won, the score was really outward. You know, Duke was the best offensive team in the conference and they were the best defensive team in the conference. And they were able to create the efficiency within and defended the three-point line as well as any team in the nation. They were 29.2 defending the three-point line, 
and they were 38.2 shooting free threes. So, you know, they're going to play a North Carolina team that can shoot the ball from outside at 37%. So that's where the game is. And Duke wants to play a slower pace based on their numbers than North Carolina. If North Carolina can get going, not that Duke's not an athletic team by no means, but they want to play a certain style, and it's evidenced by their tempo in what they were able to accomplish during the ACC. And Duke, their e-field goal percentage over the last three is 59.5, which is ridiculous. And also, yeah. they do so much. They don't shoot a ton of threes. They can hit them, but they don't shoot it because they do so much damage in the paint. But I do think Baycott and Manic, you know, Manic's a stretch, but I think the size of North Carolina can mitigate Duke a little bit in the paint where they've taken advantage of previous opponents. Yeah, but, but I think when you look at the big fella, right? I mean, when you, when you look at Paolo, what he's been able to accomplish since the tournament started, since they lost, even when, he, when they lost to Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament, I mean, in that game, he's 8 for 10 from the field, right? He's 8 for 10. He, and then from since that point, I mean, he's been dominant. He has missed very few shots. The worst game he actually played in terms of shooting percentage was the Arkansas game, and they scored 78 points in that game. And, and that game, as we all know, wasn't as close. But when the defense defense was great when Texas Tech was really clamping down. This is when he played his best and he had 22 points. He was three for four from the three point line and he was really able to make it and, and he gets to the line and he gets to the line. So to me, I think he the way he's playing now compared to the way he played before when they played him before he had 20. He was 10 for 20 for 21 from the field, you know, at 23 points in the game. He was a great player in that, but he only went. But he only made. He only made. He only went to the line one time. North Carolina didn't foul him. Let's take a look at a Final Four trend that stands out. Final Four outright winners own a record of 36, six and two ATS. So the winners are also covering at over an 84% clip since 2001. That's important as we get into the Final Four down in New Orleans. Also, favorites in the Duke North Carolina series over the last, what, 24 years? 42 and 17 straight up, but they're only covering 45% of the time. So that points you, you to know, North Carolina catching the points today. You know what's funny though? Is we do this, we do, this happens a lot in the NFL too. When we get to the playoff games, teams that win, that win a playoff game typically cover at, at a reasonably high rate, which is usually what happens is the better team wears the other team down and co covers. 80. Whether that happens today or not, I, I don't know. A great point. 84%. Certainly, I think, I, I think if you tie two together, you're going to win. Overs and who you like. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. All your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip. Bring that data sheet ID, and you're ready to go. It's Nevada, not Nevada, but bring your ID. BetMGM.com, and also download the app, the king of sportsbooks, BetMGM. So we got you back. Got Tate Frazier coming up in about 10 minutes, talking North Carolina. Again, I don't... I don't know if you get to a Final Four with a storied program like North Carolina and you consider anything to be house money, but, you know, big picture, yeah. they're ahead of schedule here, this North Carolina team with a first-year head coach. No doubt. I, I mean, you know, look, they got great talent and, and they're able to they, – they they're coming together at the right time. I think this is what the, 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 uh, the, the basically the, 
the narrative of all these four teams is they're playing. I mean, Villanova's played well all year. Kansas has had their moments. We thought Baylor may come from the Big 12, but, uh, you know, now they're playing well. North Carolina particularly, being an ace seed in this tournament, they're playing far above that number. And they're playing so well that it's, you know, you, you just can't deny uh, – their talent level. And I mean, look, they've got pros too. Love, Bacot. I mean, they're, they're good, uh, you know, and, and they're good and they have depth and they're playing with really, I don't know, it's a house money, but they're playing loose as anybody. Yep. I want to get to the NFL here, but just, just to further your point, these are blue bloods, 17 national championships amongst the four. However, you know, North Carolina bubble team. The Nova didn't win their conference. Duke lost by 13 in the finale. Kansas split down the down the stretch to split the Big 12 championship with Baylor. So again, you know, it's all four teams have a story of getting over something to get here. Now, yeah, and that story resiliency matters absolutely. because that's the one thing we complained about with Gonzaga. Uh, with the Zags, we complained that, that they weren't resiliently ready to play. And they got punched in the mouth by Arkansas and didn't know what hit them and had no idea what hit them and didn't have an answer. And they can say they had a great season and all the wins and all that, but, you know, they built their program to win in in this round of the, of the tournament, the Final Four, and they weren't. And these four teams are. Well, I hope nobody hits Chet Holmgren because he's going to fall over. <laughs> and also, I know it's going to hit you. Drew Timmy, after his senior year, he's going to be backing you down in some rec league because he's not going to the – uh, We got him on the 34th Street League. He'll be dominant down there. There's no doubt. There's nothing like going to the beach, enjoying your beach day, then go watch some hoops at 34th Street. Timmy will be backing him down there. It'll be awesome. Yeah, Millie told me you're a great surfer. I, I need to see yeah. video of that if you could post that <laughs> yeah, on no, social no with chance. Cooge. No <laughs> okay. My man Cooge, yeah. <laughs> no, sorry, Tom. I don't want to get you started on Couge. Um, draft, Michael, but quickly, Xavier Howard, a five-year extension with Miami. Marlon mm-hmm. Mack to the Texans, maybe a little under the radar. And, you know, yeah. discussion continues around Lamar Jackson. I'm going to let you run with any of those you want. Well, I, I think, look, everybody's waiting for, for Baltimore to do a deal with Lamar. I, I, think Lamar. I think Baltimore wants to be in the holding pattern. I think they want to see what the fifth year brings. You know, I think that'll determine what they pay. I think they have a clearer, defined moment. The market has exploded. We know this. And the value that they place on Lamar, I think, is going to be awful, ultimately tied to this year. You know, is he going to be able to be good enough? Can he stay healthy? Can he duplicate his his MVP season two years ago? And can he run a passing game that allows them to advance further? And I think that's going to be why this contract hasn't gotten done yet. I think they fully intend to. The options of where they're going. I mean, we know Tyler Huntley came in and played, but it wasn't, you know, they, they're not going to win a Super Bowl with Tyler Huntley. We know that. So I think the longer they go, I think they're trying to improve their team as they do this. Look, they've got a lot of it, a lot of holes on defense, particularly up front. You know, where they had a lot of age in their in their defensive line. They bring Michael Pierce back, a kid who couldn't stay healthy. Played for them at Baltimore, but went back. Defensively, to me, this is the question more than anything on their team: is can they play well enough in the back end, and can they rush the passer? You know, and and I think that's really going to come down to it. They've got. They've got to be able to do that, you know, uh, in terms of their ability to, to attack the pocket. The kid they drafted in the first round last year, he played really well away. I mean, I believe he, he can still be effective, but can these other guys in their defensive front be there? And I think that's going to be the question. And that all ties to Lamar. 
They know they can run the football. They get healthy. You know, Amal was saying yesterday, he's right. They get they get Ronnie Stanley back. They get J.K. Dobbins back. You know, they get a full year of being healthy at receiver. They should be a better team. Changes as well. New defensive coordinator. As you mentioned, the defense, you know, many have wanted the offensive coordinator to get uh, yeah. out of the mix there in Baltimore, but it's a new D.C. Remember the kid from Michigan now running the defense there, Baltimore. It'll be rooted in the same concepts that go back to Rex Ryan days, you know, that it'll still be rooted into this. Uh, and so uh, they're, they're going to be kind of creative, an odd front, even front blitz, maybe not as much blitzing as, as they did under Don Martindale, maybe playing a little bit more conservative and trying to make sure that they don't give up the big play, which they gave up a ton of them last year. But I think they got to improve their defensive. They've got to improve their talent level on defense. I think there's no doubt. I think they have to do that. So, you know, as for Marlon Mack, I, I haven't felt Marlon Mack was the same back that he was before he got hurt. You know, and I think that that is uh, is a concern. And but you know, Houston did this last year. They signed a lot of guys that were good players that you thought they were going to be able to uh, to to come in and contribute to the team. And then they started to get rid of them. I mean, the plan down in Houston, we need to see what it's going to be now that they have all those picks. And that's a team that we're going to really be curious to see what they do in this draft. You know, just as an aside. When you were negotiating contracts with somebody like Lamar Jackson, and I bring it up because specifically he and his mom represent him, right? So right. Is, there, yep. is, there, is there something to that? Is it a different approach for you in front office? It's, it always fascinates me. Well, I, you know, I mean, like when Randy Moss was, a, when we traded for Randy Moss, Randy Moss had a, a lawyer from West Virginia um, who represented him that didn't really have any other clients. And so because of that, you're always concerned that, you know, anything you say, they're not going to believe because they, they have this sense of you're lying to them. And so you've got to find a way to convince them through information that you're telling them the truth. And I think it's a lot easier in the quarterback market where, you know, you can get in a room and talk about the deals and present the deals to his mother and say, look, here are the deals. Put them up on a whiteboard. Here's what the guy got. Here's what his guarantees are. Here's where we are. And try to compare it. It's an easier deal to do. The quarterback deals are much easier, especially when you figure out what the value is of the player. Is Lamar better than Patrick Mahomes? The answer to that is no. Is Lamar better than Deshaun Watson? Okay, let's have that conversation. I don't think he is. So is he better than Josh Allen? I don't think he is. So where does that put him? Now, Mama's going to think he's better than all of them. So there's the negotiation. And we just got to kind of come to a middle ground. <laughs> there is no more built-in bias than your mom. The mama. Trying to, no. put, trying to put value on you. The value I mean, is infinity. I mean, oh, I mean, Millie and Matthew, you could, I mean, Matthew would get seven first-round contracts, you know, with Millie, you know, and then Mickey would too. I mean, so you, there's no way mama's not going to be able to do it. But you got to find a way to get around it, you know, and I, and I think that's going to be the real issue. I, I think the other issue in the league that no one's talking about is this Washington commander's situation with their owner. You know, there was a story out the other day about him. His books may not be cooked. Now there's a story today about he's back to the day-to-day -day operations of the commanders, even though Cadell says he's not, uh, which I find hard to believe that knowing the way Dan Snyder operates and thinks, he's not involved in the day-to-day -day operation of his football team. So I think that's a situation to really closely monitor because if any of those allegations come true that he had different books, that's going to really impact the league. Yeah, Dan Snyder's practices as the 
commander's owner unscrupulous at times, to say the least. And but I mean, he's destroyed one of the most sacred franchises in all of sports. I mean, let's be really clear here. I mean, he's done damage to this team that that goes extends and beyond. And and even though the value never comes down because it's a it's a you talk about a great brand. Uh, but what he's done where, where advertisers are dropping them and people really don't care about what they do. And frankly, I don't think they've gotten improved their team. I mean, I don't think Ron Rivera has come in and met the challenge that's been presented to him is to rebuild this team. I don't see how they're any better with Carson Wentz or with a defense that was atrocious last year that didn't do anything. They kept all their coaches. No, it's well put, Michael. Get everything you need to bet on baseball this season with 24-7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, including advice, data, strategy for only $19. So you get our digital MLB guide, which is incredible. It really, shout out to everybody, Adam Burke and all those that were contributed. And you get the master's guide, which is tremendous. Will he or won't he with Tiger? The NFL draft guide we were just discussing. So you get everything. Sign up today and get full access to VSIN through the start of the baseball season. The Masters and the NFL Draft for only $19. That's a great deal. 19 bucks at vcin.com slash draft. So here's where we're in. Also over at vcin, Michael's writing. You can find GM Shuffle as Femi just walked in with Michael and, and Femi. So a yeah. ton going on right now. And coming up next. Yeah, we got to get after Tate Frazier. Can we have Femi in that chair? to get? I want to hear his commentary on a few things. If I can, I mean, if I can leave 15 minutes early, he can sit down whenever you no, want No, 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 no. I want you in there. You bring out the best <laughs> in Femi. You, much better than I do. No. Hey, Michael. Here's what I here's what I want from you next. I'm gonna set Tate up, but then I want you guys to go back and forth because you already have chemistry. So we got to get a real pick out of Tate Frazier next when it comes to North yeah. Carolina. Not a biased Tar Heel. And his pick. mother and his father too. We got to get yes, we, and also Great his parents. grandparents Great and parents. uncles and aunts if possible. <laughs> <laughs> so Tate Frazier's gonna join us next here on the Lombardi Line. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. All right. Did you hear Wendy's breakfast is the official breakfast of March madness every day. Choose from Wendy's stack starting lineup. You get the breakfast baconator, croissant combos, hot or cold coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends oven baked, sizzling bacon, freshly cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes and simply bring it home with OJ. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive through and pick up your Wendy's breakfast. The official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Okay, final four is set. We're going to get going today in New Orleans. Of course, the late game. North Carolina Duke. Open four, sitting four. Really hasn't moved. To discuss with Michael Lombardi and myself, Tate Frazier, stand-up Tar Heel Nation. Of course, Tate is Michael's former partner. Did a great job together, so I'm going to let you two talk. But I'll start with you, Tate. The Titus and Tate podcast on yeah. Fox Sports. Make sure you check that out. Uh, look, I know once you get to this point, especially if you're where you stand with that program. I know when you get to this point, it's not house money, but is it house money? Because North Carolina was dancing on the bubble. Now they're dancing in the final four. Yeah, no, it's great to be here. Uh, I love the Lombardi line. I love what you guys do. It's great to be back with one of my favorite people in the world, Michael Lombardi. But yeah, I mean, when you ask that question, the house money, I don't know if we got it that good. You know what I mean? I, I think, uh, I think we played with house money the first time, you know, when we went to Cameron Indoor and Coach K had his little farewell celebration. I think that was the house money moment. I think now <laughs> it's real to us. You know, we're on the ground. And uh, as you see more and more Carolina fans, I think uh, 
we've all started to believe, you know what I mean? And uh, the fact that we're all at the point where we believe, you know, that's when you can get hurt. Um, but also, it's, uh, it's good to be at this point in general. Tate Frazier, one of my all-time favorite people. Hope your mom and dad are enjoying the event with you in New Orleans. Uh, you know, this is of a course. great, great moment for the fan. I know they would be. But let's, let's go back to January 18th and 22nd when you lost. And I say we when you lost because you're part of this program. <laughs> when you lose to Miami and Wake Forest, at what point did you feel like this is going to be a disaster of a season? Did you ever think it would get to this? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't think you could find someone other than Hubert Davis that really believed that it was going to get back on track. I mean, a lot of people, you know, from the outside looking in, they're like, there's talent on this team, but it just hasn't gelled together. What's the problem? I mean, they had two guys that they brought in, uh, Dawson Garcia from Marquette and Brady Manning from Oklahoma. They were sharing playing time. Dawson Garcia has a family emergency. He leaves the team. And then from there, Brady Manning kind of just became the star that I think he was destined to be for this team, and that was the real pivotal change, right? They get blown out twice, like you said. They go back, and uh, as the story goes, they sat in the locker room as a team. And uh, Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis and Leaky Black have all kind of said that they were like, we're not going to leave this locker room until we figure out, you know, how we're going to get this figured out. And uh, the fact that they took the onus on themselves and the fact that Coach Davis never broke, he never said, hey, this, this might not be our year, things aren't going our way. He kept saying this is a Final Four caliber team, and uh, he convinced them that they were, and now they're playing like it, and now they're in the Final Four. And so let me ask you, this has to be one of your proudest journalistic moments, Tate Frazier, is you get Coach K, your arch nemesis. I mean, he is truly the joker to your Batman, right? I mean, yes, you get yes, him sir. on your pod. How was that, A? And B, tell me about what you think North Carolina has to do to win, to beat him again. Yes, sir. Yeah, so uh, we did the World of Five Star, my, my production company, um, with LeBron James' production company. We did uh, about the Five Star Basketball Camp, Howard Garfinkel, and all those legendary coaches. So I got to talk to Hubie Brown. I got to talk to Larry Brown. I got to talk to, you know, you name a coach, and they had some sort of tie to Five Star, whether it be Dean Smith, Roy Williams, Raleigh Massimino, and Coach K obviously was one of those guys as well. When I talked to him and did the interview, he was really great. He, he was very kind. He, you know, he was very gracious. He had heard that I had a Coach K impression. He thought that was funny, or so he said. I'm not sure if that was the case uh, in reality. Oh, we want to uh, hear no, it. We need nice. to hear it. Tate Frazier, <laughs> yeah. we need to hear the Coach gave, K. I just, I, I just gave him the shut up. Shut up. He loves telling people to shut up. And that things are unacceptable. Um, but, yeah, so that, that was cool that he did that. I really appreciated it. Um, and then, you know, as far as, like, how do you, how do you slay – someone like Kay in an environment like this. I mean, I think it comes down to Duke has the better talent, right? We all know that. They got three lottery picks on their team. They, they are a more talented basketball team. But I think that Carolina has the better team, like in the way that they play. They play a better blended game together. I think that they play for the larger cause of we and not me. And I think Duke has actually been playing that way too. So I'll give them their credit on the way to the Final Four. They've been playing less selfish. But I'm hoping when push comes to shove, we play together, we play hard, and I hope Carolina just doesn't play scared, you know what I mean? Because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and if these guys knock out Kay in his career, I mean, hang all their band. I mean, hang all their jerseys in the rafters. Put all five of the starters up there because they're going to be remembered forever. That's a good point. 
great point. Wait, do I hear do I game? hear quiet confidence? Do I hear quiet confidence? Yeah, team? he's cold. He's cocky. You could feel it. You could feel it. He's got his. No, I tell you what, no, he's got no. his. He's got his North Carolina underwear on. He's got his blue everywhere. I There's mean, confidence look. in yeah. the tone. There's confidence. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's he's like he's driving around Mayberry. He's so happy. I uh, I wouldn't say I, it's not a it's not a cockiness. It's not a it's not an overconfidence by any means. I I mean. Oh, everyone will tell you, and Duke fans will tell you, that they expect to blow out Carolina tonight. So that's what they expect. Um, I'm expecting Carolina to go in there and fight and uh, and see what happens. You know, and if you, if you lose this game, as we've talked about, right, this, this is a team that people said was on the bubble. I never was that drastic. I never thought they were a bubble team. Uh, I, they were always top four in the ACC all season long. So I, I, I didn't really, you know, prescribe to that idea. But at the same time, the fact that they're in the Final Four, the fact that they made this whole 180 in Coach Davis's first year, now no one can doubt Coach Davis, right? Because we saw the dark side of the moon this year, and they came back to the other side, and now they're in the Final Four. So every season moving forward, you can always almost talk yourself into the fact that, hey, maybe this team is just a second-half group, and they get it together and make a run like they did this year. Our mom and our mom and dad as cocky as you, Tate Frazier? <laughs> Michael tells me mom and dad are in the house and they're big Tar Heel fans. Are they feeling as confident yeah. as you are? I, I don't think uh, – I, I wouldn't even say I'm confident. Maybe I sound confident right now, but, uh, you know, I think my mom – my mom graduated in 1982. Coach Smith's first title was in New Orleans. Um, so she uh, is trying to recreate that. You know, it's 40 years since Michael Jordan hit the shot. So we're trying to recreate that magic in New Orleans. We all went and spit in the river. I don't know if you guys – know about that uh you know superstition but uh, apparently they told roy williams back in 1982 that uh for good luck he had to go spit in the river so uh he's done that every <laughs> single time he's been near the mississippi uh did it in 2017 did it in 2012 but carolina obviously Kendall marshall got hurt that year um uh so I- i'm hoping that we can get that same energy and that same mojo and uh as soon as i get done with this 3xcu event i'm going to the river to spit in to spit into it before we uh get this game tipped off tonight <laughs> I love it. Hey, Tate Frazier, talk about Villanova, the the lack of yeah. depth because of the t- injury, and what you see in this Kansas game. Are you a Kansas believer from the second half of the Miami game? Uh, yes, sir. I mean, I picked Kansas to win the title, so I, I'm. And they got a pretty. You know, everyone's been talking about who had the easiest path to the Final Four. I think if you really ask Bill Self and these guys, they would say we're pretty happy with the draw that they got, but. You're right. That second half of the Miami game, that looked like the Kansas team that I know and I suspect uh, will will show up in the Final Four. And if Kansas plays like they did in the second half against Miami, I think they win the national championship. I, th- I think Monday night, uh, Bill Self is cutting down the nets and uh, and everyone's saying, wow, Kansas did it again. So if they play to their potential, Ochai Baji, I think is the best player left. But you asked about Villanova, I think the best guard that's left, and it's pretty you know indisputable, is Colin Gillespie. So uh, you can never doubt Colin Gillespie. I hated seeing Justin Moore go down, but I saw this Villanova team at the Big East Tournament in Madison Square Garden about three weeks ago, and uh, I, I knew then that this team was going to the Final Four just with the way that they carried themselves, the way that they had such a belief in each other, and the way that they can control a game. They're never going to beat themselves, you know what I mean? You're going to have to go out and beat Villanova. Yeah. I think Kansas has the talent to go and beat Villanova, very similar to Duke. Like Kansas and Duke are obviously the more talented teams, quote-unquote, but I think that Villanova and Carolina play better team basketball. So it's kind of contrasting styles a little bit. But, um, you know, if you, if you were going to, you know, tell me I had to make a pick for who's going to win the title, I think I'd go with the Jayhawks. 
Now, last time we saw North Carolina Duke, which was great for you, Tate. And I, and I think Coach K is yeah. still giving a speech, by the way. Is he in New Orleans or is he still talking after that regular season final? But we saw an offensive explosion, 94-81, 175 points scored. Today the total is 152. Talk about the pacing of this North Carolina Duke game today. It's, uh, yeah, I, I think that, uh, I think that Duke obviously wants to run with us and, uh, I, I'm interested to see how, you know, it kind of plays out, but the, the biggest thing to me is Armando Baycott. If they can keep Baycott out of foul trouble and I know Duke's going to try to get him in foul trouble, but if Armando Baycott gets two fouls early in this game, I'm over that coach Davis decides not to put him on the bench. You know what I mean? This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. You know, there's there's no time for, like, what you're supposed to do. I think just keep them in the game and and you go for it. So, I'm hoping Carolina plays with that kind of reckless abandonment. There it is. Titus and Tate. Enjoy the river. (laughs) Enjoy the dip in the river there, Tate. Yeah. Have a few hurricanes, too, Tate Frazier. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Make sure you go to Margaritaville. Hit hit Bourbon Street. (laughs) Send our best. Also, uh, you know, go over to to, uh, Lafayette. Lafayette and Camp Street. Go on that corner there. It's my favorite spot in, in, in New Orleans. Oh, amazing. I'll go check all that out. And I hope I have something to celebrate tonight. I really appreciate you guys. Okay. Quiet confidence you, Tate, is what I felt. Titus and Tate, Fox Sports. Make sure you check it out. Thank you, Tate. Appreciate you. Yep. Thank the you all. Appreciate you all. Have a great day. Quiet confidence. That's what I heard. Yeah, I love it. Thomas love Gable it. next. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, the king of sportsbooks, BetMGM, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. I say it to you every time. It's a loyalty program, kind of like your credit card. When you bet through BetMGM and use the app, at BetMGM. Of course, sign up today or log on to get a piece of the action. And when you do, every time you get points. So you can use those online bonuses or at MGM Resorts Nationwide. It's a great program, loyalty program. Get involved. 21 years or older, 1-800-GAMBLER if you have a gambling issue. Okay, Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher here in Vegas. We are going to head out to Jersey on that Atlantic City coast and talk to our buddy Thomas Mm. Gable. At the Borgata, runs the race in sportsbook, huge college, college hoops head. And we say hi, TG. Good morning, Thomas Gable. Um, where did you open, Kansas? Uh, did you open three and a half? Uh, good morning. And, yes, we did. We opened uh, that game three and a half and uh, quickly took a limit bet there on Kansas uh, right after we opened it and uh, quickly moved, uh, moved up. And now – We've been sitting at four and a half here for the longest time uh, in this game. We've, we've been getting a decent amount of Villanova money here, and certainly I think uh, our locality is um, playing into that. But um, looks like right now we're going to need uh, Kansas to cover. And um, it, it, interesting, obviously with the side here, all the talk is about uh, the depth or lack thereof on the Villanova side, losing Justin Moore, and who's going to to step in there. Obviously, Daniels is going to be um, the starter, and you're, they're going to need uh, somebody like Archer Diacono or someone else to at least play some minutes there off the bench. But Jay Wright, uh, talking to some local Philly reporters here, he, he brought up an interesting point that you don't really think about too much. And he talked about how Justin Moore, he's their inbounder. And there, there was a comfort level there in crunch time. If you have to inbound in you know, tight quarters there or against uh, you know, a press, 
So sort of an underestimated portion of the game, but it, it was interesting to hear Jay bring that up, that they, they obviously now don't have that coming into this game, and such an important game, obviously, and one that you figure is, could be very well close uh, towards the end when uh, inbounding is going to be very, very important. Uh, but with this total here uh, where we're sitting at 132.5, obviously two teams here with – uh, totally different uh, styles. You have Kansas, who are going to want to push the pace and, and play very fast, and Villanova plays one of the slowest paces in the country. And uh, I think today that's going to be probably amplified in, in Jay Wright's uh, game plan there and uh, really want to keep this game as, as low scoring as possible. But uh, if you're Bill Self here, I don't know if you necessarily want to not play into that. I mean, with the lack of depth on Villanova's side, why not just hey, all right, we'll play slow and pound the ball inside. There's some size advantage there. Hope to pick up some fouls and uh, really exploit the the lack of depth there on the Villanova side. I, I mean, I think that's certainly a great great uh, thought, Thomas. And and I would say adding to that, uh, as in-game betting is so, so popular, don't you think at the 12-minute mark, if you evaluate where the foul situation is on Villanova's team, that's going to lead you to the victory? Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, paying attention to the foul situation, if you're betting this game in play and and betting the total in play, you you absolutely have to do that. Both teams uh, shoot, obviously Villanova the best foul shooting team in the country. Um, I think they actually have a chance to be the best uh, possibly of all time. Um, and Kansas no slots there. So, you know, you absolutely need to pay attention to the foul situation um, and how many free throws are going to be shot uh, coming down the stretch there in the second half. So absolutely great point, Michael. If you're betting this in play, you have to pay attention to that. You know, and I also think it, it can sound overly simplistic when we keep talking about the depth and more, but he's 15 points, you know, five, six boards, three assists, minutes leader. And as Thomas Gable just said, Michael, he's your inbounder. So he's invaluable. Yeah. That's why we keep on stressing he's it. Re- he's hard to replace. And, and I think that's, you know, and, and I thought that Tate Frazier, Thomas, we had Tate Frazier on who was at the Big East tournament, and he was really, really giving a lot of love to Gillespie in terms of mm-hmm. the way he played, the way the Villanova team carried themselves to the Big East, even though they didn't win it. He just got the sense that they were going to be here. And when you watch Jay Wright interviewed, as I have, don't you get the sense he's fairly confident going into this? Jay Wright doesn't change in his demeanor when you uh, when you That's see true. interviews with him. He always seems to be very uh, confident, level-headed guy. And you know, I think it's what really makes him such a great coach. And the program really reflects that personality. You know. Um, they're not um, a team that's going to come out and just uh, decimate you, but they play together so well. Uh, they're so efficient on both ends of the floor, and they know their game. Again, you know, when you when you look at these totals, and you have two teams that play basically opposite each other, you know Villanova is going to typically the slower paced team is going to be the one that controls the tempo. Uh, no matter how much the the team that you know, wants to have more possessions like Kansas and are used to having playing these games and have a lot of possessions, uh, they want to push it. They're not going to be able to. Villanova is going to be able to control this. 
And, you know, I think it's a great point of what he saw there at Madison Square Garden. Whenever you watch this Villanova team play, they play together. They don't get rattled. And even though they're down, you know, one of their most important players here, uh, they have they do have that leadership there that they can lean on in Gillespie. Do not underestimate this kid. He He's just a tremendous battler, and he can, he will absolutely rise to the occasion here. And, uh, you know, as a lifelong Georgetown fan, I hate giving all this credit to Villanova, but you have to when it's due, and this team is due for credit. Okay, next up, North Carolina Duke. Side total and your take. So Duke currently laying four and a half here, a total 152 and a half. And really the only movement we've seen here is on the total. It's risen slightly uh, from where we opened it. But a little bit more money on North Carolina here. Take account very, very even uh, between the two. Um, I don't think there's going to be much of a decision in this game for us. Um, So obviously Duke – we know where they are, how they're playing. Coach K's uh, last hurrah. Duke, though, they have basically moved up here to really become the the most efficient team offensively in the country. I mean, they're just so good right now. They're clicking on all cylinders uh, offensively. And both these teams um, are going to be able to, to play with pace. They're, they should be able to shoot now. Some people have been talking about the backdrop there in New Orleans may affect the shooting. Uh, it certainly could, and in, in, uh, we've seen it in the past in domes, but um, see how it plays out in this game. The, the thing, though, you have to remember, these two teams, they, they really don't turn the ball over, and they don't force turnovers on defense either. So this should be a pretty clean game. Um, so I could see why the, the total has ticked up here. Uh, pretty much you're seeing 152s, 152.5s across the board everywhere. Um, and, you know, it's it's painted for four and a half. So uh, I would say I would like to lean uh, North Carolina here, but uh, Duke's just been playing so, so well. And we're definitely going to need North Carolina. I mean, they're probably our biggest need today because of the future pool where we sit. We have a over six-figure liability on Duke to win the title. We we had that coming into the tournament, and uh, we're in good shape with the other three teams, but uh, I would be very, very happy if Duke gets eliminated here today. <laughs> For a multitude you know, of reasons. I, yeah, I mean, that's a good reason. I, I think that, it, you know, Tate Frazier put it really well, that Duke had play, has played times where they were an AAU team, and since the tournament, they've played like a total team, and North Carolina has played like a total team. And I think the one that breaks serve today is the one that goes back to being the AAU team. Will they revert? Will the national audience make them play to a certain level and make it become about them as opposed to team i think that's going to be the key yeah they yeah, absolutely i mean they've scored at least 78 in, in the four games they've won in the tournament i mean they just hit another level offensively uh tg before we say goodbye no des moines special do you have a lean in these two kansas of course villanova north carolina duke a little lean I would lean Kansas here. Again, I think this all comes down to what is uh, more worth to the number. What do you think he's worth to the number? Uh, I think he's worth a little bit more than what we have seen uh, in the market. So I would lean Kansas uh, in the first game. Uh, The second game really would be a stay away for me uh, between uh, Duke and North Carolina. I think this number four I think is about right. 
uh, right where it should be. Uh, but, Patrick, any picks real fast for the Florida Derby Florida today? Derby's going down. By the way, have fun with your Coach K uh, voodoo doll today. <laughs> Florida, <laughs> Florida Derby. Frazier's going to the Mississippi to help you, too. Yeah, he's Ted, jumping though. in the he's river. Gonna, <laughs> he's jumping in the river to help you. <laughs> Thomas, Thomas Cable, we will talk to you tomorrow. We'll know what happens with these two and have a national championship set up. Thanks, TG. Yep. All right, thank you, guys. All right, there he goes. Michael, we'll great job. We'll be back tomorrow, won't we, Patrick? Right back tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. I'm going, if I'm ever in New Orleans, I'm going to the Mississippi.